Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back, friends. My name is Meredith Steidler, and I'm so excited to be your host for this Back to School podcast episode number 55 here at You Can Tell the Children podcast. Can you even believe we're here already? Many of us are in the midst of the first week of school, while there's still others anticipating that first day coming up yet very soon. Just this past weekend, I was thinking about how nice it's been to just be more lenient with bedtimes and really enjoying the slower starts to our mornings. So whether you're ready for this change to the fall routine or not, there is one thing that likely rings true with all of us, and that's the fact that our mindset is so, so important as we start this new school year out strong. Our guest today, Michelle Neeturk, will speak to the subject at length. And not only that, we actually have quite a few podcasts from the past and upcoming that cover this area too. So one of the best ways to ensure you're hearing all about whole health in your kiddos is to subscribe to our podcast at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. Just click on that resource tab and you'll see our podcast from today, as well as previous episodes with all the show notes. This is also the page where you can learn more about bringing a Bible to school to your community. And there is never a better time to ask questions about this than now. Don't forget, you can also follow us on all your social media platforms. So without further ado, let's hop on over to hear from Michelle about how we can help the kids in our lives reset their mindsets. Well, Michelle, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Thank you so much for having me again, Lee. I'm excited to be here. I love it when we get to talk. And Michelle, it's been a little while, a hot minute, and we have kids all over the board right now. We're like a year past COVID, kind of. And I'm just excited to talk about mindset issues with you today. I am excited to do so as well. I think as we looked at Make Up Your Mind for Women, the reason I was so passionate about that project is because mindset is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's renewing your mind when you look at scripture. It is thoughts drive a lot of what goes on. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but it depends on the research project. Like we have about 60 to 80,000, I always say 70,000 thoughts that run through our heads every day. My husband jokes, he's like, I think you have like 90 and I have like 30. (laughs) Right, right. But I do think people have different numbers there, but we have a lot of thoughts running through our heads. And this is not about all of that necessarily. This is about you deciding to direct your thoughts because what's going on right now, and we talk about this a lot. And I remember talking about this last time with y'all for a lot of kids right now, one in three struggling with a mental health issue. As a professional counselor, I'm seeing emotions drive the bus Mm. and that's creating anxiety and depression in our kids. The emotions need to be on the bus. If we ignore them, it's going to make those things worse. It's going to let them sit in darkness and fester, but they don't need to be driving the bus. We and Jesus need to be driving the bus together. 
and I do think it's a together thing. It's Jesus in us and it looks different in each one of us. And it's feeling different. If you're not aware of this, I'm sure all of you parents are. It's feeling different in each one of your kids. Ministry leaders see that. In each one of the kids they're ministering to. I just took my kids to school for their first day of school. And even the way they approached their first day of school and their mindset towards that looked different. So I think mindset's really important to look at. I think it goes along with other things. I hate when somebody says, oh, this is the one thing you need, because I just think we have a holistic approach to health, but I think it's a key aspect of it. So Michelle, let's back up for a second. Yeah. How can we see mindset patterns in young children? Like, what are we talking about that we want leaders and parents to be aware of? Maybe negative mindset patterns. Yeah. So when we look at an anxious child, they are going to be more fearful and you will hear them say things like, I don't want to try this. I don't think I can do it. I've just been with preschool. So you're going to have to bear with me. I got a lot of preschool language. I just trained a ton of preschool teachers on emotion coaching. And so when we hear that kind of talk, we have to help them say, well, what if you can't? What if this is not true? What if you can do it? What if the opposite is true? And then what would it look like to do it scared? I know that's a phrase we have an adult kingdom that became very trendy at one time, but I think it's a really important concept of doing hard things, doing it scared. Our kids need to be resilient. And so that's one way you might hear that. You might hear other kids say, I don't think they'll like me. Well, what if they did? What if maybe they don't like you, but somebody else likes you because not everybody's gonna like you. And I think we can take these short moments to start working on it. So a mindset thoughts that happen over and over again become beliefs. And that's what we want to work on. Kids not forming these beliefs, especially from a worldview of self, that's going to be very destructive because, and I come back to this all the time, but the worldview of self that's out there is you are valuable by what you do, how you look, what you own and who likes you. And the biblical worldview is you are valuable because of how you were created. We're all created in the image of God, how you are redeemed. Like we value things in our world by what we pay for them. I could be in that room with you right now. You and I could both have a purse and one of our purses could cost a whole lot more than the other. They both hold the same amount of stuff. Right. God paid his son's life for us. Great value there. And then in our adoption. And I think this is really important, especially with organizations like Bible school kids, because we get family then beyond our family. And that can be so helpful and healthy to us. A lot of times I work with parents who want to keep their kids in their own family of origin to protect them. But what they don't realize sometimes is while they are protecting them from some of the things of the world, they're not protecting them from the strengths and weaknesses and the generational curses and patterns that come within their own family. As someone who is a kingdom kid, who was raised in the kingdom, my spiritual fathers and mothers, even though my parents were Christians, they made a huge contribution to who I am and who my family is today. Yep. So we've got anxiety and fear issues. What other issues are kids facing in relation to mindset? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a helplessness and that can be fear, but that can feel a little different. We talk about it in the victim or the helpless mindset, like things are happening to me. We don't want them to over control. You know, some kids are born and this has a lot to do with temperament. They're perfectionistic and they want to control everything. So that's a mindset issue. 
we want to work with kids on everyone makes mistakes. So yes, they do. I'm going to go back to the preschool song. Your sister and your brother and your dad and mother too. Big people, small people, matter of fact, all people, everyone makes mistakes. So why can't you? And we have to help kids learn that. But then we also have kids who feel very helpless. They feel like the world, and we can get in this really easy if we start listening to a lot of things in the news and other places. They think the world is happening to them, but God is for them. And that gives them agency. And we have to help them begin to be empowered by that, to realize that maybe I can't choose where I live right now, but maybe I could choose how I live in that place right now. And someday holding on to the hope that I will have more choice. And I think as even I went through, I was sharing with you, I grew up in a Christian home, but I grew up and my dad's given me permission. Talk about this. My dad had a huge anger problem. I never wanted to be in my house. I would have been at Bible school or anywhere else I could have to not been in my house when I was a kid. Because I didn't know if like the dad who was going to come home was going to be just awesome or he was going to be just furious about maybe a dish not being put in the dishwasher or my room being messed up or me arguing with my brothers and sisters. And so by the time I was our girl's age, you know, like around 15, I was starting to try to get out of the home as much as possible. And so there is recently my dad yelled at me again, but I could walk out because I'm a grown up now right? I could have even gotten my car and driven off. I chose not to. I chose to just walk out of the house, let him calm down because his brain couldn't stop talking. I asked him to stop talking, couldn't do it. And I think though, in the moment of that, I was thinking about, you know, there are little kids who wish their parents would stop raging and they can't, they can't get away from it and they can't make them. And so I think in those kind of mindset struggles, that's the helpless mindset that you may experience as a kid, as these kids grow, or when they're not in a helpless place, when they're in a safe place, maybe school is the safe place for them. Maybe work. I know for me, when I started vocational life, work became a place I thrived and it was a very safe place for me. So I think we have to help people realize maybe you didn't have little kids. Maybe it's not this way here, but maybe it could be different somewhere else. Maybe you could be different somewhere else. And maybe with God's help, you could be different anywhere. That's good. So Michelle, this is hard to adjust our mindset as adults. Yes. This, this is something that we have to, as adults, walk alongside of kids because a lot of times they're not the ones who are going to post it on their mirror on note cards, you know, work on their, no, they will. They'll do sticky notes. Don't discount the sticky notes for them. I think it's, we use them in the therapy office. I'm a big lover of sticky notes. They may not. But I think the, when they're younger, it's really important that we ask them to do that, that we do it maybe even for them. But yes, a teenager, it's hard. Well, that's what I was going to say is I create my own sticky notes that yeah. have Bible verses on it on stuff that I'm memorizing. But when it comes to third, fourth and fifth graders, like Bible to school works with, maybe those are suggestions we need to make. How do we as leaders working in the lives of kids begin to prompt them to change mindset or reprogram their mindset? I think you can do it. I don't think you approach it in a one dynamic way. It's not just about the brain. Although I do believe the brain is trainable. It's a muscle. It's an organ. And we do want to work on that. That's why we wrote Loved and Cherished. I've got another devotional that's going to come out down the road called Managing Your Emojis. That's all about managing your emotions. I do believe that kids have more agency on that than they realize. I keep using, I don't know why I'm using that big word today, but that word is in me. More control, more ability to control. But here's the thing I do think. You Bible school leaders, you can sell a sticky note. My therapist can sell a sticky note. 
like this sticky note can help. It's almost like a doctor writing prescription. You can kind of be like, let's try this. Let's say this to myself. I am loved. And we look in the mirror and we say, instead of, oh, I don't like my nose or I don't like my hair, because we, we get that in third to sixth grade a lot. I'm loved. What would it be like to say that to yourself? And then we help kids think, what, how do you feel if you say, I don't like my nose and I don't like my hair? Well, you don't feel good. But if you say, you look at that same face and you say, I am loved. How does that make you feel? And that is truth. That is truth for everyone. So I do think that's a part of it, but I don't think that's all there is to it. One of the ways that programs like the Bible school program help and other things in church ministry, and even just you can do as somebody who's listening, if you've got a kid in your life is relationship impacts what people think. When we experience being loved, we feel more loved. I did not even feel loved by my Christian parents, to be honest, in some of these years that we're talking about. They were busy. They were distracted, I think. They were great at being at church. I mean, and they've done great things for the kingdom. But even as a young adult, I struggled with, my parents went in the mission field. My dad is the one who's responsible for putting those translations of the Ukrainian discs that are going all over the place right now that are supporting things. He's done amazing things. But they were not reachable. They lived in Albania and Russia in the time when there was no Facebook and there was no internet and stuff like that. I am so grateful that other people in the kingdom, you know, when we look at needs, saw me, helped me feel known and helped me feel loved. And that changes mindset. That changes self-concept of who we are. So I think that's a mindset that we address in the book that also we can address with kids for sure. But here's the thing I want to say if you're a parent listening. If you think you can convince your kids of a mindset that you yourself don't own, good luck with that. Because Mm. you can train that, but they are watching you and how you interact and respond to this world. So I go back all the time to mentally healthy kids are raised by mentally healthy parents. And so I think that's where I wanted this book, especially for moms and ministry leaders to work on their own mindsets. Yesterday, I had something happen to me that brought fear towards me. And I had, I called somebody and asked them to pray over me, with me. I talked through it. And that's what I think we want to help kids do are these things is get what's in their heads out and talk through them so they can begin to say, is this true? Is it really true? Do I have to believe this is true? So I think that that helpless victim one, I think the discontented mindset, I think it's so easy to look at other people and think they have it better than us. And it'll really hurt our sense of just value. I know you're going to work on something on that specifically down the road, but I think it's so important. One of the biggest cures for that is gratitude. You know, how do we help kids be grateful for something that they have, even if it's small? Yeah. Until they can have more. And I think that's a hope too. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to school kids. Did God thank Satan? To simply answer the child who asked this thoughtful question, The answer is yes, God made everything, and that included Satan. If we think a little bit deeper about Satan's rebellion and the introduction of evil into the world, we remember that God is all-knowing. None of what Satan has done has taken God by surprise or happened outside his perfect plan. His chief aim is to glorify himself, and even Satan is part of that plan. I think that when we look at kids, there's this mindset issue where they're telling themselves something that may not be true. Their inner voice is mean and ugly. 
But I think there's also this peer factor that begins to come in from the side where peers have spoken things that are harmful to them. And so, Michelle, I wonder how we begin to help them filter what people are saying to them or about them as well. I think we ask them how they're going to decide whose opinion they're going to value. And I think we really have to look at that. Yes, kids who who will take feedback from anyone are going to be miserable. Think about it. You and I are writers, Lee. If we listen to everyone's feedback out there, we would probably never write another thing. Yeah. Right? But what do we do? We filter our feedback. We take it from peers we trust. We take it from Christian editors that we think know what they're doing. We pick some people that we trust their feedback. And I think we need to help kids young decide who's going to have input into my life. That's so good. And so that might be a question you could ask your kid before they go to school, or you could ask your Bible school kid, whose input are you going to value? It's such a mic drop moment, Michelle, because I know that if it was everybody who was down the hallway or everybody that was on the playground gets the same weight in their lives, in their inner thought lives, then we're going to end up being a mess, just like you said. But if we ask ahead of time, okay, so who is it that's going to matter? Then we help them realize that's the people who love them the most. So it's the Heavenly Father, first of all, and what he says about us through the filter of scripture. But it's also going to be those mentors that we trust. We're going to gauge based on people who don't have an agenda of their own, which, you know, third, fourth, fifth graders, you have all kinds of agendas happening right there. You do. And it's kind of, it's a really tough transitional time, I think, because if you're listening to this and you're over the age of 40, it's like the junior high, the era before, because everything is happening younger because of this rate at which we're moving. So these negative things that maybe you don't remember in third, fourth, and fifth grade, maybe you do, but most people have those memories in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Those are now happening, the research says, in third, fourth, and fifth grade. And so I will say this, you said they've become a mess. They probably are going to become depressed because depression seeps in when we don't like ourselves, we don't like our world. And so that's a big piece of this. Now, I want to say this, we talked about the mental piece. We've talked a little bit about the spiritual piece, but I also think there is a physical neurochemical piece. Do you know what I did yesterday to feel better? What? I took a walk with my husband. Oh, and I did that. Not eat a bowl of ice cream. Uh, I might've had a chocolate chip cookie too. That's a different (laughs) way to get dopamine. And that is what I was looking for. I needed some dopamine. I needed some extra serotonin yesterday because of some things that happened. And so that's where I think also when we do things like when we as mentors take kids for walks, we're giving two gifts in that. We're giving the gift of our attention, but we're also giving the gift of that movement that by, I'm going to get a little brain nerdy neurosciencey on you right now as a therapist, but we're bilaterally stimulating the brain. And so we're letting the logical and the emotional side begin to move side by side. I wish they could see my hands. And then that does help us all of a sudden begin to say, to think different. In fact, we have a therapeutic approach in psychology that's called diet. I'm really about to get geeky on you. Dialectical behavioral therapy, which is DBT. And there's this idea of a wise mind. And do you know what a wise mind is? What? It's your logical and emotional mind looped together. 
And the middle of those two together make a wise mind. And so that's where things like walking can help because maybe you're just sitting in your emotion. I was kind of sitting in my emotion and I was trying so hard to redirect my thoughts. And that's where I think this is not so simplistic. I mean, if it was easy to redirect your thoughts, like we would not be still struggling with these things and our kids wouldn't be. But here's what was going on. I was trying to redirect my thoughts. That didn't work. I tried to distract my thoughts, which a lot of kids are doing. So gaming, binging shows, YouTube, all that stuff. That's distracting your thoughts. I tried to get support from someone else. I even took a hot bath, which if people don't know this, it's almost as effective if you do it often enough as a mild dose of a like SSRI, like an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medicine, because it releases muscle tension in your body. Mm. But that didn't seem to do it. So finally, I told my husband, even though I've had a hip replacement recently, I'm wearing a knee brace. I'm like, I think I didn't really, just for my own mindset, I need to take a walk. And it worked. I felt a lot better. And sometimes also sleep helps. Like sleeping and resetting your mind and choosing today, like the scripture says, to this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, just giving it a new day and a new mindset. And that's why I think we have to train our kids. Here's the big thing. And this is in the book. You are either going to wake up every day and you're going to see how you feel. Well, most kids are going to feel sleepy because melatonin is the highest. It's a hormone in the body. And it's the highest between seven and nine in the morning for most kids, right? When we're trying to wake them up for school. So crazy. Or you're going to decide what you think. You're going to think, how do I want to feel? I want to feel energetic in the morning. What do you need to think to feel energetic in the morning? And you're going to grab onto that thought in the morning and it's going to help drive you. And you can teach a kindergartner to do that. How do you want to feel in the morning? They're going to say happy. I want to feel happy. A third grader, happy. Okay. What do you need to think to feel happy? I need to think about the time we went to the beach with Aunt Sarah and it was really fun. Okay. Let's start your day thinking about that especially for a kid who's academically challenged. You know what they, a lot of times they wake up in the morning and they think about how they're not going to be able to read and they're not going to do well on a test. And that's going to pull them down really fast. So Michelle, when I lay in bed and I think about my day, the first thing that I am training myself to do is say, Heavenly Father, this is your day. And rehearsing the things that I know to be true about him. You know, that he's with me, that he's present. And as we speak into the lives of our kids about mindset things, I think there is this tendency to go, and I I hate to even say this, but to go all spiritual and address everything spiritual. But what I think you have taught me now is that there's, there's a piece for physical as well in the middle of that. We need exercise. And I also think that there's There's mind work that needs to happen. We need to treat our minds like they were created by the Lord and to some extent follow the science, right? Right. And so gratitude is a science that's well rehearsed. So having a child who's struggling with sadness, write out three, not things like, you know, little kids, even like third graders, I'm grateful for my home, my family, and my friends. That's too generic. What are three things that happened to you today that you could be grateful for? Well, I'm grateful already for this morning that I got to talk to you. I am grateful this morning that I woke up and my body wasn't stiff because I'm getting older and sometimes that happens. I'm grateful this morning that I got to go to coffee with some new moms because Some of my friendships are busier than others. A lot of my mom friends are going back to work just like I've been doing for a long time. 
but they're adjusting to that and it's been hard on them. And so they don't have the energy as much to spend time in the evenings. So I could use a couple new friends. And Mm. so I was kind of excited to meet some new women today. And those are three things I could be grateful for. Sometimes I'm grateful that the dog, like if any of you guys have pets, because I know a lot of the Sage Range were training pets, did not mark anything last night that I had to clean up this morning. But I think if we can teach our kids to find, not in a cheesy Pollyanna way, but in a very concrete way, you know, what can you be grateful for today? There's a lot of research on that. And here's the thing, Lee. And this is where therapy looks different than everything else that we do a lot of times or coaching as I work with more high functioning kids that just their parents want to head something off. And so I'm kind of coaching them on some of these things. These are things we know, but we don't practice a lot of times. It doesn't work if we don't practice it. And I think that's the hard thing is like, we can say, oh yeah, gratitude works, but are you doing it? Like, is your child really doing it? And yes, as you get into this age range, your child's going to roll their eyes at you. They are going to sigh. They're going to be like, I tried it. It's not really working. And then sometimes that takes some honoring their words and some problem solving. And here's what's hard. We say three grateful things in the morning, and then we think 25 negative thoughts for the next couple hours. And that's where the book talks about, and I think we need to train our kids to do mindset resets. Maybe when you move from one class to another class. Maybe when you go from this class to the cafeteria, you need a mindset reset. How could you get it? I have some kids I work with and I tell them, if you're getting like down on yourself in class, like you're not, like a lot of kids aren't good at math, they say. And they, some of them aren't good at math. math they're never going to see math again. The closest thing they're going to do to that is money. And they're barely going to do that someday. So math is hard. And it's a hard place to sit for like an hour a day. So I suggest to them when you're starting to feel like, I'm stupid, I can't do this. First of all, I would rather you say I'm not good at math than I'm stupid because most kids who aren't good at math are better at English. You know, they have some, or they're great at PE and they have some real athletic skills or some musical skills. And I love Kathy Cook's work on the eighth grade smarts in that area. There's more than one area to be gifted in as a child. And we have to help our kids with that. But maybe in the middle of math, when I feel that way, I need a mindset reset. So I need to go to the water fountain, get a drink and go to the bathroom, ask to go to the bathroom because water also will rewaken our brain. And maybe I can think I'm not good at math, but I am good at this. And and then we might take it a step further as we're trying to teach value. And it doesn't even matter if I'm good or not, because I'm still loved. Mm, Yep. And we go that extra step because I think that's what's hard when kids are in this age range that's there. You and I aren't around as many people as kids are in schools. So they're comparing themselves to other kids and they're getting compared to other kids. And then on top of that, they're hearing this experiential message of you are what you do, your values based on that. And it is going to be, the research says, if you look, I listened to a training with Matt Markins, who's the head of Adwana, and they've done a project with Barna. And this culture that we are in now, the research says, is the first time that Judeo-Christian values is no longer there. The message is going to be different. So I think we've got to arm our kids in a whole new way, Lee. And I think that's what's great about Bible school, because that gives those kids in the afternoon a chance to get some new armor on. They need some gear to protect themselves. And that's why I'm a fan of the sticky notes. I put a sticky note on them if I could, you know, so that they would just see it and remember it. But I think we have to somehow, you know, scripture talks about writing it on your hands and stuff like that. I think we have to get it in our hearts. And I've been really convicted about that. My kids were in Awana when they were younger and they're kind of past that age. And I was talking to my son and 
I really found a lot of hope in Psalm 23 this past year. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Wow. Even just right there. But then, you know, you know, he leads me the green pastures, the still waters. He restores myself. Then about the enemy. And then walking through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. So I think like I've been working with him a little bit. We're re-memorizing that. It doesn't matter if I can say the words perfectly. And this is what I want to help you with kids. That's the only thing I don't love about Awana is they are sticklers for the, the words, which is good because they're young. But as we age and we get into these older age ranges, the concepts need to be there. Yep. yep. That's what's important. And that will change mindset. Because here's even something I'm working on mindset wise. If God is my shepherd, I'm led. I'm not driven. Hmm. My personality is to drive. Some kids will drive themselves in the ground in this age range. And we need to help them take a step back. Some kids, they wanted to be that kid and they couldn't do anything well. So they've given up and we have to encourage them not to give up that their day is going to come. And again, I think this comes a lot to this value issue. But I also think it has a lot to do with what they're saying to themselves. Well, Michelle, it's been such a gift to have you with us and to be thinking about these things. So many wise thoughts, so many things to chew on today. Michelle, I wonder if you would mind praying for the Bible to school leaders and those that are reaching into the lives of kids with the gospel as they try to reach this generation that is struggling with Deep, deep mindset issues. Father, you do love us, but it's hard to feel loved in a world that tells us a lot that we're not enough. Mm. But I pray that for these leaders, that they would know they're loved and they would walk in your love in such a way it just kind of spills onto these kids. And these kids feel it because you just, God, you just created a culture of the story of people who make differences in our lives. And I pray those leaders would be encouraged by that. Even for the kid who's rolling their eyes at him. God, you never know what they're absorbing. And Father, I just pray for those kids, Lord, that you would renew their minds with your truth, that they would know their value and their worth and how much they're loved. And when they feel like they have nothing, they can grab onto something. And Father, I pray that the truth of who you are And what your son did for us, the freedom that brings from things like perfection would come alive through the lessons, through the interactions, through just the attention that these kids receive. God, I pray when life seems to be too much, that we would be reminded to breathe in your love, just fully and reset our amygdalas that you've given us and breathe out our worries. And God, just learn to rest in those green pastures and still waters and to allow you to restore our souls. God, thank you that you are the restorer of our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Michelle. Phew. Okay. There is a lot to unpack here. Did you catch in the very beginning, Michelle mentioned many kids are struggling with emotions driving them, which in turn creates anxiety, depression, helplessness, and an unhealthy drive for perfection. And instead of allowing these emotions to drive their bus, we need to start teaching them how to let Jesus drive that bus. Okay, great. Like me, many of you, I'm sure, including your kids, know that you should be doing this, but then life just happens and the question remains, how do I do this? So I truly hope you're leaving today with some fresh ideas of how to walk this out. 
I bet you have some sticky notes laying around. I know I do. What words of truth can you write on those sticky notes and whose mirror or door can you stick them to? Like Michelle mentioned, maybe you need to start writing out those notes for yourself so you can own these truths and then the children in your life will notice. Healthy kids truly start with healthy caregivers. What other takeaways did you have? I latched onto things like start a conversation, take a hot bath, go on a walk, and rehearse gratitude. I'd love to hear some of your ideas. What effective strategy have you used that worked when you noticed an off-kilter mindset? Please keep this conversation going by engaging with us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also subscribe to You Can Tell the Children wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, tell your friends, coworkers, and neighbors about the tools available here. Help us spread the news that you, anyone, can tell the children about Jesus. So I'll see you here next week when Corey talks with Anita Kagi about seeking God first and the 21-day prayer challenge.